Welcome to the Ask a Club Fitter podcast. Answering your questions on all things golf equipment and club fitting. Here's your host, hoping to help you play better golf. He's a PGA professional, founder of Tour Fit Golf, and has worked with some of the world's best players. Tom Davies. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, my name is Tom Davis, and if this is your first time listening, welcome on board. Hopefully, there's a lot of content that you can consume and enjoy uh, over the last 13 episodes. Uh, but this episode today is a little different. Even though normally our content comes from uh, all of the listeners, this content is going to come directly from me. And uh, I, I was lucky enough to be part of uh, the team who were servicing the players at the first Live Golf event uh, last week at Centurion in London. And I thought it'd be really nice just to share some of my experiences, talk a little bit about the event, uh, what it was like to be on site, uh, what it was like to work there, some of the the work we'd done with some of the players, and just generally talk about the event. Because I'm having lots of questions off uh, a lot of my friends, you know, how was it? What do you do? What was the event like? So I thought... Why not do a podcast and uh, and sh- and share with everyone? Now, I've been extremely lucky over the years to work at uh, a lot of different uh, tour events on the PGA Tour, on the European Tour, on the Sunshine Tour, on the Asian Tour, on the Australasian Tour, uh, on the Ladies European Tour, and um, you know this is another uh, tour, if you like, uh, w- which is added to that list. So I'd like to think that I'm talking from uh, a bit of experience here um, and I'm just going to share with you kind of what it was like really uh, to, to, to work at the event. Now, I'm going to start by uh, telling you a little bit about uh, kind of where we were uh, where we were stationed. So for anybody that's seen the event uh, on TV or seen anything uh, where the players were hitting on the range... There was actually a, a temporary building which was constructed uh, directly behind the players on the range. And uh, to put this into context, this, this building is probably bigger than 99% of clubhouses I've been in uh, in golf clubs all around the world. Um, it was an astronomical building, um, two stories. Uh, the bottom floor, which is where our workshop was, uh, was pretty much part of the players' lounge. So you kind of walk off the range into this building. And anybody who follows me on Instagram has probably seen some of these images. So you walk into the building, you've got the players' lounge right there. And then our workshop was just at the back of the players' lounge. And, and this this was really, really cool for a number of reasons. Number one, you know, we could uh, literally sit down at a table with some of the players, some of the caddies, some of the managers um, in a really relaxed environment uh, rather than, you know, just interacting with the players, you know, while they're hitting golf balls or, you know, when they come onto the truck, uh, you know, from from past experiences working for some of the uh, the OEM manufacturers. So that, that was pretty awesome. Uh, the workshop itself was very, very big, probably bigger than any truck that I've been on. I know there's a couple of trucks now um, where they've they've got two-story trucks, but um, just based on the truck that I used to work on in Europe, you know, is as big, if not bigger than uh, bigger than that truck. So, so that was really nice. And the equipment that we had in there, uh, 
we actually put it together um, and built the workshop on the Sunday before the event. We had everything we needed in there, rulers, loft and lie scales uh, for irons, loft and lie gauges for putters. We actually had two types of those, depending on what uh, you know, what gauges the players uh, used to measure. We had Mitchell gauges and MR3 gauges, which were really cool. Personally, I've used the Mitchell gauges a lot, so uh, they're the ones that I used uh, through the tournament anytime I was doing some work with players. We had um, grinding wheels, uh, grinding belt rather, for any wedge work that we wanted doing and shaft tipping. There was uh, ferrule polishers. We made a grip station with a pneumatic uh, clamp on there. Um, there was, uh, what else did we have there? Swing weight scales, pretty much anything that you can imagine that we needed to build a golf club for the best players in the world. Um, we pretty much had there and, you know, to combine that with, uh, four guys who've had a lot of, a lot of experience working with players at the top level, um, which includes myself we pretty much had everything covered so that that was really nice the workshop was great uh it was a, you know put together and uh the components in there were of a really really high standard the you know the the location of the workshop just literally couldn't have been better it was you know 20 steps and we were on the range so even kind of you know doing stuff for players, doing loft and light checks, you know, it was actually a lot quicker than normal because believe it or not, depending on the location that a lot of these events are stationed, it's not often that the the trucks are actually right on the back of the range. Uh, you know, sometimes they can be an extremely long walk. I remember, you know, in Valderrama, um, you know, the, the, the truck is a long, long, long way away from uh, from the range. Uh, even in the Irish Open, I, I remember Portrush, you know, it's, um, you know, it's physically impossible to get the trucks right there. So it, that that was that was really good. Um, actually, in the players' lounge, that, that was, you know, even more unbelievable because they had a, um, a coffee bar, uh, where they were serving coffees and there was uh, there was drinks, there was really healthy snacks there, there was protein bars, there was protein shakes behind there. Just to the right of it for all of the families and for the kids, there was like a, an ice cream station where they were doing like these live, um, oh, these fresh ice cream rolls for all of the kids and anybody else who wanted it. There were these little robots which were constantly, wa- uh, you know, making their way around both rooms and they had... Uh, you know, cold drinks on them. Sometimes they had sandwiches on them, and o- honestly, it, it was like taking a look into the future. Just being in there, and it was uh, it was such such a nice environment to work in. The range itself was quite small. Uh, it's not the biggest range that I've been on, uh, but saying that, you know, the field is pretty much a third of the size uh, of of a normal field in a European Tour event or a PGA Tour event. So, you know, the range doesn't or didn't need to be absolutely massive. It was the same range they used for the Golf Sixes event uh, on the European Tour a number of years ago. Um, I I couldn't actually remember the range, to be honest. Uh, I did attend that event, but I couldn't remember it. It just looked so different. Um, But overall, it was was pretty awesome. And I thought what would be quite cool uh, to do for all the listeners is actually to give you an idea of what it was like at my first European Tour event versus what it was like at my first Live Golf event. Um, 
and I, I've made a couple of notes here, and I'm going to go through these one by one, and uh, I'm, I'm hoping this is going to be of interest. But um, my first European tour event that I attended was uh, the Perth International, and uh, I would say that that event itself on the European tour, every time that it was on, I would be literally first name down. I'd want to go there. It was an absolute unbelievable place. For anybody who lives in Perth or has been to Perth, they would know exactly what I mean. Um, just the whole vibe there, you know, the coffee especially. <laughs> anybody who's listening to this probably knows that I'm a bit of a coffee nerd. And uh, anywhere in Australia, they just don't do bad coffee. Um, so it, it, it was a very, very popular uh, event for me. Uh, it was something I'd always want to go to. But I want to give you a bit of a comparison. So I mean, on, on that, you know, Perth versus, uh, you know, London, I guess. Um, I would pick Perth all day long. Um, the, the the place and just to spend time outside of work in Perth w- w- was just in re- uh, unreal. So I guess, I guess that kind of um, beats the live golf event um, on that aspect. But when you actually start, like, going to the event, uh, like I said to you earlier, you know, there was a huge, huge building assembled at the back of the range. Uh, the range um, in Perth, I'll have to try and remember the name, I think Lake Karenyap. I'm going to do a little Google search now for that. Um, Uh, yeah, Lake Karenep Golf Club. So the the range there was pretty good. However, there was nothing special um, assembled at the back of the range. It was it was just roped off, and you know spectators could you know just lean over the ropes or the barriers and and just watch the players hitting golf balls. Uh, like I said at the live event, there was a huge building constructed at the back of the range, which is very very different and something I've never seen before. Um, so you know that it, it was much grander from. Um, from that perspective, the quality of the range, I would say, was was about the same. The size of the range was roughly about the same, but um, actually, the the building we were working out of was just out of this world. And to put it into context, when we went to Perth, we'd be working out of a flight bag with components that we would have taken there already. Uh, we were using the Pro Shops workshop, which. You know, with all due respect to a lot of PGA pros, their workshops are not really set up for uh, for building golf clubs to a high standard. They're, they're set up very much for taking care of your general regripping and repairs, um, which you would see day in day out. And you know, they're, they're always fit for purpose, uh, but they're not quite set up like a, like a tour track, which you know it was at the live event. Um. The access for us normally at the European Tour event, and I don't know whether this has changed in the last four or five years, and you know perhaps it has. The access for us is normally very limited. Uh, we don't get into uh, the players' lounge, and I'm not saying I've ever wanted to go into the players' lounge, um, but typically, uh, as a manufacturer or a vendor, you get access to the range. You probably get access to the locker rooms just so that you can, you know, stock up the lockers or uh, you know just get all the gloves, hats and balls to the players. I mean, we, we had access to, at Live, we had access to, to everything. We were able to get into the hospitality. We were able to get into the clubhouse. We could get to the tournament office. We could get to um, the players' lounge because that was located right next to uh, our workshop. Um, 
yeah, you, you name it, we, we could get in there. And, you know, not that we really needed to go into hospitality or anything like that, um, you know, to support the players, but it was very nice to feel kind of part of, you know, a much bigger event. Um, and we certainly were, were made, uh, or felt made welcome anyway, um, or made to feel welcome. And, you know, from, from that perspective, you really kind of felt part of something um, rather than just kind of, almost being on the side um, and just supporting the players and not really being uh, a, a part of the whole event, even though you do feel part of it, you know, working with the players. Um, you, you in, in Europe, I certainly felt anyway that you were kind of um, a, a, a bit of an add-on, um, which was fine and I never, you know, never complained about it, but having kind of done this event now, you kind of re- reflect back on it and it's like, oh yeah, that, that is a, a little different. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but um, but yeah, it's it's, def- it's definitely different. The support for the players. This was really interesting because in Europe, you get there Sunday or Monday. Typically, you would get there Monday for a standard event. You might get there Sunday for perhaps um, Wentworth or you know any of the bigger events, a World Golf Championship or a major. And then Wednesday afternoon, you're packing a truck up and and you're gone. So from a player's perspective, their support is only there from Monday to Wednesday. Sometimes, at, you know, on a Sunday for the bigger events. At Live, that wasn't the case. We were there Sunday morning and we stayed literally uh, until nine o'clock on Saturday night. And uh, we were there right throughout. And it was quite interesting because we did actually get some work done with the players during the event. Uh, one player snapped his golf club or bent his golf club on the golf course on Thursday, the first uh, the first tournament day, and you know we were managed we managed to source a shaft and you know get that rebuilt for him, ready for play on Friday, and he's blown away by it. But um, you know from a player's perspective, that must have been nice just to know that you know they've got support. If anything goes wrong, you know we can jump on it and, and help them do in the event as well, which was uh, for me very very different. Um, the work that we had to do this week versus the work that I had to do when I was uh, employed by TaylorMade is is literally night and day and I, I wouldn't expect anything more because when I was working for TaylorMade we had to of course we had to fit the players and service the players but we were part of a much bigger marketing message um, and we had some serious targets to deliver on so as an example when we go into Perth, and I'm going to use Perth as, as, as a, a bit of a comparison here, only because I've touched on it already. We'd be going there trying to win the driver count. We'd be going there trying to win the hybrid and fairway count. So we'd know in advance kind of who we needed to target, what we needed to do, and how many clubs we needed to get in play. Um, there was absolutely nothing like this um, at Live because... I was working for Liv, <laughs> uh, essentially subcontracting to those guys. And uh, I was there purely um, to support the players and just get some work done with the players. Now, when I was working for TaylorMade, uh, you know, we could work with the contracted players for TaylorMade and anybody who was uncontracted. Now, at the time, that would have been probably, uh, you know, from a contract perspective, it would have been a fair chunk of the field. There's not normally a huge amount of players that are uncontracted, but we'd really have to target those guys and make sure that we'd get, you know, some clubs in play. Whereas, you know, the 48 players in the field this week 
we could work with every single one of them and support every single one of them, uh, which which was really nice because, you know, over the last four or five years, I've had plenty of experience working with other brands, uh, you know, at the studio and, and fitting other brands as well. So it was really nice to take a look in the bag for some players that I've worked with when they had contracts with TaylorMade and now they've got Callaway in the bag or whatever it is, Titleist in the bag. And it was just really nice to be able to help all of those guys um, and, and not be kind of... Um, not those guys be sidelined depending on what uh, what what brands they were using and you know that's very much part of uh, the work I had to do with TaylorMade and again it's not a criticism it's just a you know a, a, a difference in in the environment that you know I find myself in this time. The one thing I would say here as well, um, just so that I don't sound like I'm criticising the European tour because I'm really not. Um, this is purely just based on the facts on my first event versus, uh, you know, the first event um, at, at Live Golf. Now, if we were, if my first event was a major championship uh, or my first event was at Wentworth, you know, these events are much grander in scale than something like uh, the Perth International. You know, the purses, uh, you know, are much lower at something like the Perth International versus a major or, or you know, the PGA Championship at Wentworth. Um, the event itself is much smaller. There's probably way, way less people watching um, and attending. And, you know, it, it, it's night and day if you compare something like the Perth International versus, you know, the the event at Wentworth. So I, I really don't want to come across like I'm criticising you. It's just purely me talking about my experiences and, you know, what, what, what it was like to experience my first event in Europe versus my first event uh, at Live Golf. But we done some nice work with players. We didn't really switch out any golf clubs or... Um, you know, try and get any golf clubs in play because that's not really our role for the week. It was more just servicing the players and if they needed any help with anything, we were there on hand to help. Now, we managed to do quite a bit of work with players, which was nice. Uh, it was great to see uh, some old faces. Adrian Otegi, in particular, who managed to finish sixth in the event, uh, took a look at his loft and lies and made some recommendations, not just for the week, but perhaps going forward on where he could you know, potentially, uh, you know, iron out some, some issues with his equipment. We've done some work with uh, Scott Vincent, who was, uh, I think he was in the top three after the first two days. Uh, he actually had an issue with his driver where uh, it looked like he was starting to crack at the top of the driver. So we've done some really, really good testing, not just with his gamer driver, but actually with his backup driver as well, just to make sure the backup driver was performing fairly well. And also we'd done some really thorough testing on his gamer driver where we were just really analysing ball speed, the spin, the launch direction. And I got him hitting the ball all around the face, really high in the face, low in the face, out of the toe, out of the heel, um, you know, high heel shots, low heel shots, just to see if the ball was actually responding the way in which we would expect. And also just to make sure there wasn't any serious drop-offs in speed or anything weird happening coming off the face. Because it can be quite difficult to see sometimes if there's a crack in the crown of a driver, just purely because there's lots of paint, um, uh, lots of paint over the top of it. So we've done some testing. I think the driver lasted uh, lasted the three days, which was good. And, um, you know, he was, uh, he done really well. And uh, I think he finished 21st overall. Um but yeah, managed to keep the bag, uh, the driver in the bag. So I'd like to think that, you know, if we weren't there, 
he probably would have switched to his other driver. And there was a definite difference in those two drivers. And his backup driver is, is really not as good as the gamer driver. And he, he's got some work to do there to get that in the bag. But um, I'd like to think that, you know, we had a nice influence there on uh, keeping the driver that he really liked in the bag for uh, for the three days. So that, that was really cool. Uh, we've done a bit of loft and lie work with Sean Norris. He finished uh, 22nd. JC Ritchie, another South African, done a load of work on his loft and lies. Uh, I think he finished 18th in the end. Laurie Cantor was the same. I had a quick check on some of his uh, lies with wedges, and uh, I think we tweaked the loft maybe on a six iron, but his loft and lies were actually really, really good. Um, James Piot, uh, we've done a lot of uh, loft and lie work. This is actually one of the first guys that we've seen, and I, I found this really funny because we we measured all of his loft and lies, made, made a couple of changes, Um there's a few things which were which are out, and uh, I I noticed kind of all the ferrules have started to come away from uh, the heads, and anybody who knows me that this frustrates the hell out of me, you know, because you take a, a beautiful golf club with a ferrule that starts to come away, and it just looks awful. So without even kind of asking or telling them, I pushed all the ferrules back down, refinished them, polished them, uh, and just made them look uh, like they would have when they come out of the factory, and. Um, his caddy grabbed the clubs and that's the first thing he noticed was the ferals and we were having a, a laugh and a joke about it and we were just talking about how you know bad they were starting to look with the ferals coming away so that that was that was quite nice and it was quite interesting um as a team i know we've done some work with uh charles on his three wood i don't actually think we got uh, a three wood in the bag but i know his current three wood uh he wasn't um wasn't overly happy with the performance uh, I think from from his feedback, it was just launching a little high and spinning a bit too much. Uh, but I know the team worked hard to get uh, you know a couple of products put together for him uh, with the help from from getting some products from TaylorMade as well, which was nice. And um, yeah, I think there's there's a bit of work to be done there, and it was nice to see him win. Uh, he's such a great guy, and uh, yeah, really really pleased for him. From from a player standpoint. Um, I know the guy's done a lot of work with uh, some of the other guys as well, uh, some of the other players. We had some really cool interactions with uh, with Phil Mickelson, Lee Westwood. Uh, there was a bunch of other guys. Gray McDowell came into the workshop, and um, you know we had a nice chat with him. And um, it was just generally a really, really good week. And uh, I can't speak for the guys who uh, who done some work with other players, but that's uh, that's most of the the work that I got done that week. And and some of this work as well, you know, it's not a kind of, it's not a grab your clubs, check them, change them, and that's it. I mean, with some of these players, it's, you know, you change it, you test it, then you change it again, then you test it, and then you take it on the course, and then you change it and test it again. So any work that I would have done with these players, there would have been a lot of follow-ups just to make sure that, you know, everything was good um, and everything was performing the way that, that you know, that they liked it. So um, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my week. It was really, really good, like I say, to touch and um, uh, influence some of the uh, the setups of the equipment with players not just from one brand it was nice to see kind of all of them and have the opportunity to work with all of them and I certainly hope uh, you know get another opportunity to do that in the future but coming like talking about the event itself I I didn't watch any of the coverage just because I was there and we were really busy Um, 
So I can't really comment on what it looked like from the outside, but just being inside the event, um, I was blown away by it all, I've got to be honest, because in my mind, when I rocked up there, I thought, my God, you know, they're they're leaving everything until last minute. I'm going to get there and they're going to be scrambling to put, uh, you know, um, seating together on the golf course. And when, when I got there, I was blown away by the scale of it all and I just couldn't believe that you know they've, they've had six or eight weeks to kind of get all of this done and get it put together and um, the event itself felt like a major championship when you were there uh, I know the field wouldn't represent that because uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, a lot of comments and you know a lot of criticism on you know the quality of the field um, but that's that's something which you know, I'm not really too bothered about myself. You know, everybody when they're on that range uh, gets the same kind of uh, gets the same service. So for me, that that didn't matter, uh, and I've certainly not got an opinion on that. But um, you know, just being on site and being behind the ropes, it, you definitely felt part of something which was really, really big uh, and, and, and really special. So the way in which the days kind of uh, the days went, especially when the spectators started coming in on the pro am day, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, the gates opened at eleven o'clock, which was actually really really weird because when we got there, there was no spectators. We were just prepping for the day, um, and that felt quite odd. Um, but then eleven o'clock came, and there was just this massive buzz about the place. Obviously, the the tee off times were, I think it was quarter past two, so the all the spectators were there for, you know, three hours and fifteen minutes before the first tee time. The fan zone was like nothing I have I have seen ever. Uh, they had, you know, four simulators in there. They had the um, uh, the moving uh, putting green. I can't remember the name of that uh, Zen Golf putting green. There was uh, a stage there that they hosted a concert in the evening, and it was wasn't just any old concert. There was uh, Jesse J playing, Craig David, James Morrison, James Bay. Uh, I'm trying to think who else was there. Um, John Newman, and honestly, I I kind of felt like I went from being at a golf event uh, to a festival within 10 minutes. There was like an air show straight after everyone had finished uh, for all the spectators, and they were doing, you know, all of these different things over the, the the fan zone, and yeah, it was it it was just it was just incredible, and and like I say, you just felt part of um, an event which was which seemed like from the inside, you know, one of the biggest events uh, that I've ever been to in, in my life. And that, that includes, you know, Ryder Cups, that includes all the major championships. It was very, it's, it felt very, very special, uh, you know, on, on the inside. And um, I've got no idea the way it came across from the outside, looking at it on TV and looking at all the social platforms and everything else. But, you know, just just looking at the the way in which they run the event from the inside, it was um, it was awesome. And, and hats off to them for, you know, pulling that off at uh, at such short notice as well. In the fan zone, there was like a live DJ during the day. Uh, so you went in there and you almost felt like that you were already at a festival. <laughs> so before the before the guys uh, teed off, you know, before 2.15, there was a live DJ in there and the music was absolutely pumping. Uh, that was pretty awesome. Like I said, there were simulators there. There was crazy golf. There was a um, an old London bus serving PIMS. There was a G&T bar. Um, 
it was yeah it was it was incredible and um even the food there was really really nice uh yeah, I don't know what more I can say really, and I've got no reason to kind of uh, just to sell this to anyone. But I thought it'd be quite interesting just to give a perspective from the inside the ropes, um, and for anybody who didn't manage to attend. But overall, I was and, and I still am uh, pretty pumped about being there for that first event. Um, I really hope that you know get to do some more events in the future. I know they're going to the US in a couple of weeks. Uh, and I think from a player support perspective, they've got everything dialed in in the US. Um, but yeah, if I if I do go to another one, I will uh, I will certainly keep you all uh, keep you all posted, and perhaps um, perhaps we can fire in some questions. And if we get a chance to maybe ask the players a couple of questions, you know, over a cup of coffee or whatever, then uh, you know I'll certainly do my best to. Uh, to do that for you all. So uh, I'm sorry if I've waffled on there. Um, I don't know if I've got everything kind of uh, covered. Uh, it's certainly, like I say, I'm talking from uh, my experience and my opinion of what it was like today. I've got absolutely uh, no opinion on any of the politics that's going on about it. Um, it's not my concern. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed it. If anybody's got any questions, uh, not just about the event, but any questions in the future about equipment, about products, about club fitting, um, then please fire them across. I'm always uh, happy to answer all your questions and use that as content for the podcast. I am going to be doing uh, another podcast next week. Uh, I've already planned part of the content uh, and I know I've got a couple of questions from people that I've spoke to over the last week or so. Um but yeah, if you've got any questions, fire them across. As always, you can send me a direct message on Instagram. My, my handle is tofitgolf 59 On my website, which is www.tofitgolf.co.uk, you'll see a little WhatsApp button on there and uh, you can definitely send me uh, a, uh, a message on there. I know I've got a message from a, cl- from a, a, a listener I think is based in Portugal uh, that I'm going to add into uh, next week's content. But if you've got any more, please send them across and I'll be sure to uh, to answer them. Thank you very, very much for your attention. Uh, I really appreciate it. And uh, you'll be hearing from me next week. <laughs>